We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome inside the clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I am David Haw along with Bruce Levine, and we will be here until 11 o'clock this morning talking baseball. We are now within a week of the trade deadline everybody has been waiting for. And there's a lot of games to go over. There's a lot of drama to unfold and to watch and to analyze. But let's start with the fact that, you know, you we get within a week of the trade deadline, Bruce, and the White Sox, they need a bullpen arm. They need a second baseman. But their, their priorities, I think, have been reestablished and confirmed, unfortunately, up in Milwaukee. The Cubs still very much open for business. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, David, and uh, it's always fun to do this show every Saturday morning, 52 weeks out of the year. We're here for you between 9 and 11, talking Chicago baseball, talking national baseball. And, uh, David, you're right. Uh, it's it's fun to watch uh, the Chicago White Sox play, although there are needs that have to be addressed here. The Cubs, on the other hand, um, nine games behind Milwaukee, nine games out of the second wild card spot. They have other priorities right now, and they need to be addressed as we move toward the deadline on the 30th at uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon Chicago time. So a lot of work to be done by both teams here, and where would you like to begin today? Well, we can start, um, obviously, up in Milwaukee. We build this as a World Series preview. Some of us talked about it all week, and we know that uh, there's a lot of eyes focused on the White Sox and the Brewers. So that is kind of the, the focus of our attention, even though the Cubs, you know, they, they win yesterday 8-3. to three. It felt very nostalgic for a moment. You had you know, the, the ovation, the first inning, uh, Bryant, Baez, uh, and Rizzo all crossing home plate when Javi Baez is homer. So there's a lot to talk about with the Cubs, Robinson, Chirinos. But, Bruce, I think the center of the baseball world um, was Milwaukee at American Family Field last night with the White Sox and the Brewers. Thought it was going to be a pitcher's duel. It was for seven innings. The Brewers end up on top seven to one. Emotions boiled over. It ended up being quite the uh, quite the spectacle. Tony La Russa, his first ejection 
since coming back to the dugout. Tim Anderson, an inning later, we have yet to hear from him, but I guess that's a good place to start because we still don't know a lot about what got Tim Anderson upset, but we do know more about what was, you know, what was causing Tony Larusa to respond the way that he did. Right. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. A home plate umpire having difficulty with uh, the strike zone, according to the White Sox. Uh, Larusa. Uh, sees a uh, a few walks that changed the course, as, as you pointed out, David, to a very close game in the seventh inning, turning into a blowout. And uh, the fact that uh, pitches weren't made, p- pitches weren't called, according to the White Sox, and depending on whether you're watching it or not, you agree with uh, that those were uh, high strikes not called or um, they were balls. The reality was is that La Russa eventually comes out and um, – doesn't address the uh, home plate umpire, but uh, starts talking to another umpire and then finally gets into it with a home plate umpire and gets thrown out. So from that perspective, David, uh, take it away. Well, you, you had Bummer and Burb walk two batters apiece and then the the grand slam. So there, there's understandable there's understandable frustration there. But, but Bruce, I mean, Tony La Russa... Uh, doesn't do this often and he he addressed later and and we'll get into what happened post game but when you were watching when you were watching what he 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 referred to urius was kind of uh he he was crouching what he's talking about he has a reputation where he, he called was it taking ducky. these, Larusa calls the it ducking, ducking and, and, and yeah. the games. I, I don't know if that was something you have heard before about him. Is this something that is well known about him? You know, look, uh, umpire is supposed to have the strike zone, not be looking at uh, a uh, a hitter moving around. But if he if he moves his body to a lower point, uh, does that does that reflect some reaction from an umpire who eventually? is looking at a lower strike zone than it, the reality is. Whatever it is, David, Aaron Bummer didn't have good command. He had electric stuff, but he didn't have good command. And you have to start with that, okay? Uh, the, the stuff moves so much. He wasn't getting a lot of called strikes, but the, the movement of the ball and the fact that it wasn't consistent early on really creates a, a different mindset for the umpire, don't you think? It, I it, do think it, that, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we agree on that, that, you know, an umpire is a human being. He's back there, and he's seeing this guy missing the strike zone, and the stuff is so electric that you have to stay on top of it because it really, his slider moves as much as anybody's in baseball. That said, uh, it appeared, if you believe in the box that you're watching on the uh, television, and, uh, you know, Jason Benetti and uh, Steve Stone are uh, also watching that box and guiding you. If you believe that that's actually the strike zone and whether they're missing it or not, or whether or not, uh, you know, you're looking from an angle and you're not looking over the top of a pitcher and that uh, some of these angles impact exactly what Steve and Jason see and what you and I see when we're watching the game on TV. That said, um, some high strikes appeared to be missed. So let's uh, roll into uh, Tony Larusa talking about getting thrown out of his first game as a White Sox player, as you said, uh, as a White Sox manager, uh, David, as you said. And then eventually 
Tim Anderson getting irate, being thrown out, and having to be restrained. Let's hear from Tony. Tony, I have uh, two questions. The first one is um, you hadn't been thrown out of a game in 10 years, but uh, it's obvious that um, when a um, – how should I say this? Uh, the umpires do a great job all the time, but uh, when calls that are missed impact you, you did you feel like you had to react? Is that one question? Um, uh, yeah, I'll give you two that's answers. one. I'll give you two answers to the one question. All right. For one, if we make it a definite policy that we play against the other team, we not we do not play against the umpires. They're a very difficult job. And one thing that happens sometimes, you get your team to play with emotion. That's how you succeed and compete. And, and in a situation like that, we got emotional. Uh, but if you look, play nine innings or eight and a half innings, uh, a couple of those calls, you know, did not decide it, but it, it was important at the time. And, uh, and uh, I was upset because I thought the hitter ducked the pitches. They were just trying to drive in a run. That's what I thought from my point. I think he's a good hitter, an RBI guy, but he ducked and got away with it. And uh, that's why I was upset. But umpires did decide that game. And the second question is, um, how did how did uh, Tim get involved? I don't know. I was, I was excused from the premises. I think he's upset too. I mean, are we, we were upset. It was a, you know, a game where Gio kept us close. It won nothing in the seventh inning. I mean, that game is there. Uh, and we thought we had the third out. Uh, and then we have, you know, six outs to get, up, get get back in the game. So our team was upset, but I mean, I'm saying again, we get upset, we get upset ourselves, and we try to take him set out on the other team. There is no no way that it's beneficial to try to get up, upset at umpires. All it does is distract you. That was Tony Larusa Friday night after getting ejected his first one as the White Sox manager uh, this time around, and Tim Anderson followed an inning later. And Bruce, a couple things stand out to me. Number one is. The entire frustration that was shown at the White Sox bullpen last night in turning a close game into a blowout underscores to me and to everyone, especially, hopefully, Rick Hahn, how badly they need a bullpen arm, how badly they need some help down there because their relievers are not living up to expectation. Number two, I think it just reminds you that, you know, Tony Tony was he, – he did say – they care. It shows you care. And they are viewing this, this series, whether we want to you know, have some fun and refer to it as a World Series preview or not, they're taking it seriously despite the fact that even after losing, they have a nine-game lead in the division. They're not taking the foot off the gas, and they're intense each and every night. The third thing is I do wonder what Tim Anderson had to say. We did not hear from him yesterday, but I do give you some credit for pushing Tony LaRusso again postgame to the point where I don't think he appreciated your first question, but he was a little frustrated. That's okay. I mean, our job is to ask the questions that we feel serve, uh, you know, best story and uh, and the fans uh, who want to know what, what happened and why it happened. But, you know, to your second point, David, it's, it's, it's you know, I totally – 
on the mark, and that is you point out that this is a team that has uh, arguably the most comfortable lead in baseball. They do standings-wise. And yet they go out there and they play like they're a game behind with a game to go uh, before the end of the season every night. And that is a credit to Tony La Russa, the coaching staff, uh, Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams for putting this team together, and most importantly, those players who just go out there and bust their butt every day and don't take anything for granted. So if you're a White Sox fan, you have to be excited about the results and where they're at right now, but more excited about the fact that this is a relentless team that takes nothing for granted and uh, doesn't take losing a game like that uh, easy. Uh, I think it was uh, it's something that uh, people strive for in baseball to have a team that's both uh, really good and and really emotionally into every game. And I think the White Sox have that. And to their credit, everybody involved, that's why uh, we, we are talking about this today because that's the emotion they show. That's how much they care about a game. And La Russa protecting his team beyond this game that's already over with by pointing out that it's not the umpires that lost the game, but it's his team that lost the game, revolves back to your other point, David, which is... They need bullpen help before the tra- trading deadline ends. 312-644-6767. How did you feel after watching the White Sox lose 7-1, to turning a close game into a blowout last night? What do you expect today and tomorrow in the, in the great matchup, uh, pitching matchups that will take place in, in Milwaukee? Bruce, I would just remind White Sox fans as well, as badly as you might have felt last night after that loss, take yourself back a week ago, this morning as we were sitting here doing inside the clubhouse last week after the White Sox lost their opener coming back and and there was the sense that they couldn't you know oh boy you can't beat a good team and all those kind of narratives started to surface again and then what happened over the weekend they give up one run in two games and and so that's worth remembering as well I still am wondering because as I watched and as Jason Panetti and Steve Stone reminded us Tim Anderson doesn't typically respond the way that he responded. It was as if he heard something that you just don't typically hear in the course of a baseball argument. His response, Bruce, was something I felt like the White Sox were coming very close to letting him kind of veer toward that suspension territory. Get him in the clubhouse, I kept saying to myself. Get him away from the umpires. Don't let him say something he's going to regret and everybody's going to regret later. Yeah, to have them have to be physically restrained by your own coaches and teammates, uh, you you have to believe that Tim Anderson heard something back at them that set him off, that it wasn't just the, uh, the the strikes that weren't called allegedly by the home plate umpire. It was more, you know, I don't like what I'm hearing here. Somebody's being disrespected. That that's how you have to kind of view what's going on here. Uh, As you said, Tim Anderson plays with a lot of fire, a lot of heart, but he's not, he doesn't play out of control, uh, getting himself in trouble with umpires and other players on a daily basis. That's, that's just a natural part of Tim Anderson and how he plays. So uh, to see him thrown out was kind of shocking. Hopefully we get some answers today uh, before the, the White Sox uh, play the Brewers again, but it it is, it's, it's a tremendously interesting series because you have 
six of the best pitchers in baseball. Five of them were actually at the All-Star game uh, this uh, prior oh, 10 days ago. The, that is amazing. And Lucas Giolito, who's the odd man out there, was your uh, All-Star uh, in 2019, the last time they played an All-Star game. So this is a sensational weekend series and one to watch. And predictably, it was a pitcher's battle before things got, got away. Yeah, it was. And Rodon goes against Burns later today, tonight in Milwaukee. So that gives you a sense of the matchup today, which will be fun. And last night, Lucas Giolito felt you felt like he probably deserved better. He gives up one earned run in six innings. Uh, his record falls to eight and seven. Bruce, what did you think when the Brewers tried to take advantage of an opportunity offensively and, and pinch hit for Peralta, Craig Council playing that National League Baseball? And so Peralta only goes four innings because of that, and it, it didn't. It, it wasn't an, uh, something that they took advantage of, but it, it showed you the kind of that was a playoff move, wasn't it? I, I yeah. know Craig Council yeah. pushes the right, but that that kind of it felt like an October type of strategy being implemented there. Yeah, a couple things in there that, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. One is watching Peralta's pitch count because he's way beyond anywhere else he's been innings-wise in his career, okay? And uh, also, the fact that the Brewers have such outstanding bullpen and outstanding pitching that adding a run or two, uh, they feel like that's adding like a, a, a crooked number, okay? So uh, that's how Council manages, and uh, I think that's why he's he is or one of the top two or three managers in all of baseball. He's just, he knows his team well, he uses them well, uh, and they usually have better results than people expect. This is a team that's made the playoffs three years in a row, and a lot of the credit goes to Craig Council and the way he handles that group. But, um, yeah, it was National League Baseball. It hurt the White Sox. I, I later asked a question of Larusa toward the end how National League Baseball uh, hurt him and how the DH... Uh, obviously should be one way or the other. It should be all over the place because he had the bases loaded with Giolito up and couldn't right. pinch hit for him. Yeah. Uh, or more importantly, he wasn't going to pinch hit for him there. But if the DH is in that situation, you you have arguably a very different ball game. You know, it's a very different, different game. ball game. It, would, it was too early to pinch hit for Giolito, but your point is well taken in that you know you, you wonder if teams that are used to functioning in the way that the Brewers are having an advantage in situations like last night and that may sound like an excuse because the Sox lost but it just I think there should be one set of rules for everybody one set of rules for both leagues but that's a different conversation we're having one about the White Sox who lost the first game of a pivotal series uh, is it pivotal that's probably overstating it just a very interesting series up in Milwaukee it's time now to go to the score listener line Powered by BetQL, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. That is where we find our buddy Ron on the south side. Good morning, Ron. Good morning, boys. A um, couple of things. David, you, you mentioned last week against Houston. Now, here's the difference. I, I did feel that the Sox probably would win that series because the Sox play better at home. Now, to contrast that with the uh, series against Milwaukee, uh, that was that's I, I really have concerns, but and and mainly yes, Houston has good pitching. But when I looked at that Milwaukee Brewers pitching, I just thought this was going to be more um, 
difficult than the series against Houston. You know, the guys, it's just so interesting that um, we, when we went into the came into the season, most people uh, predicted that the White Sox strength is going to be their bullpen, and it, it, it certainly hasn't been. So, um, the, yeah, the obvious things that you all mentioned, that they need a bullpen guy. I still think they need a, uh, a, a second baseman. There's still a lot of times where the White Sox are leaving men on base and they're not, you know, picking up some of these runners. So those are my comments, guys. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Ron. Bruce, the Sox are 4-4 four and four since the break. Any reason for concern? Obviously, there's a lot that, that's in the – each game is, is, is different and each, each reason is, is specific. But is this a team that you are starting to get some concerns about? I don't have major concerns about it right now, but I do for the long run. And, and I think that's what Han and uh, Williams are looking at this week is um, when it gets a, a little tough in September, the winds start blowing the other way. Can this team manufacture runs? And, and can you do you need a guy like Frazier from Pittsburgh to bat at the top of the order to make sure that you have an, a guy that gets on base an awful lot? to uh, make sure that you can score runs in a different way. I think that's important. I, I, I believe the White Sox feel offensively they're going to be okay because of the fact that Eloy is coming and uh, hopefully that Robert's not far behind him. I don't count on things like that, okay? Uh, these are injured players. It's going to take them some time to get back. Uh, I, I believe that if they address the second base situation and they address a bullpen piece or two, I think this is a World Series team uh, from here on out. I'm not concerned about them winning the division. I think that's pretty pretty much well uh, well uh, already won. But it's in hand. From, you got to yeah, think it's with in, a nine game lead hand. over. But yeah, but the perspective of uh, being a World Series uh, caliber team, you know, and getting by the Houston's and getting by uh, the Tampa's and getting by the Boston's. Uh, the other really good teams in the league in the playoffs. That's that's the major concern, I think, right now. And it is, and I understand the concerns. I would just uh, caution White Sox fans to remember, and I'm, I think they can respond to the how, this weekend however they wish. But I do factor in the next time they see the Brewers in, in a game like this or a series like this, if it is indeed the World Series, Aloy will be back in theory. Luis Robert will be back in theory. They aren't going at this Brewers team in the series with a full strength, with a full lineup um, of hitters, and that will make a difference potentially. And you mentioned Aloy. Let's find out how he's doing. He is at Charlotte. We will talk to the Charlotte Knights hitting coach, Chris Johnson, when we come back on Inside the Clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Through an Instagram post as he pulls that one deep to the gap in left center field. See you later. That is blasted by Yermine Mercedes. He's back. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. This is David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock this morning talking baseball. That was from the Charlotte Knights Friday night game. Your mean Mercedes unretires, comes back, hits a home run in his first at bat. We will get to some of those details and implications in a moment. Please now to go out to the Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. That is where we find Charlotte Knights hitting coach Chris Johnson. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great here. And obviously we heard about the Yerminator home ring. We want to get to some of that in a moment. I'm more interested uh, in, in the progress of Aloy Jimenez, who was also in the lineup last night. Now has had, you've had 34 at-bats or so to see where Aloy is on his recovery. How would you describe his progress and how far away he is from returning to Chicago? Uh, if you ask me, I think he's ready. I think he's ready to go. He's starting to have good at-bats. He's starting to see pitches. Um, and now his swing is on time um, with both the fastball and the breaking ball. Um, you know, with, with a guy of his talent, all he has to do is get his timing down and his swing's going to be there. Um, he, he looks phenomenal. Uh, so I, I, if you ask me, I don't make these decisions, but if you ask me, I think he's ready to go. Chris, uh, first of all, thanks for, for joining us today. And uh, as somebody that um, watched your big, big league career and knew uh, what a good hitter you were, um, you know, helping helping guys hit uh, like your mean, like uh, Jake Lamb that's there rehabbing, uh, like Eloy, when they're, when they're already big league hitters, um, do you take a different approach to dealing with them uh, when they're there than you do with some of the players that are up and coming right now? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, at this level, most of the time what we're focusing on is approach, how to work in that bat, how to game plan for pitchers. Um, with guys like that, they kind of already know what they want to do. So I give them the, the information. We talk about, you know, what the certain pitcher has. And then um, those guys that have been to the big leagues are, are usually able, able to, you know, make their own game plan and go into the game um, with that. So um, those guys make it a little bit easier. Some of the guys that I have here um, need a little bit more talking to and, and uh, a little bit more uh, strategy going into it, decide well, you know, what they want to do, what works best with their swing. But as far as guys like Yermin, Eloy, Jake, those guys, are, those guys are pretty good and already know their routine and already know what they want to do at the plate. So, Chris, Eloy goes down and uh, ends up on the injured list with a pectoral injury. And you wonder about some of the things with the swing mechanics perhaps coming back maybe a loss of power coming back, or is this one of those things that when he does end up back in Chicago, sooner rather than later, Sox fans hope, will we see anything different about the way he, he approaches things at the play or in his swing or power capability? Not a thing. Not a thing. I was wondering the same thing when I, you know, when we heard that he was coming here, I was wondering what his swing was going to look like. Is he going to make any physical changes because of that pack? And he has made none. Um, you know, yesterday we were in the cage and I was, you know, we were working on some high fastball stuff off the fastball velocity machine and, 
and he was just hitting line drive after line drive, gap to gap. Um, in VP, he's hitting the ball out of the ballpark, and his swing looks the exact same. So I think he's done a tremendous job of his rehab, and um, he looks great. Chris Johnson, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse. He's David and Bruce. We're here for you 52 weeks out of the year talking baseball on the score every Saturday between 9 and 11. Chris, uh, I don't know from the time you retired in 2016 until you became a coach if you had time to get a master's degree in psychology. But uh, that, that, that would probably be helpful uh, preparing some of these guys. And, and I, I guess in, in particular, uh, dealing with uh, guys who, uh, like your mean who right now is trying to stay confident, stay um, within himself, be patient, and try to get back to the major leagues and still be productive at AAA, uh, knowing what great highs and great lows that he's had this season. I wonder, I wonder what what part of your uh, dealing with him is uh, the psychiatric part of dealing with a a player? Yeah, it's a lot of it. I think the fact that I've, you know, I was able to play the game so long, I was able to come up through the minor leagues, play in the big leagues, and then towards the end of my career, um, go back down to AAA and try to work my way back to the big leagues. I think it, it prepared me well. Um, for these situations, I think, um, especially at this level, um, this, this stuff happens a lot. You know, it, it, guys kind of get frustrated. You get to the big leagues and then you want to get back to the big leagues or you really, you're so close and you really want to get to the big leagues. And sometimes, you know, frustration sets in a little bit because, you know, we've been working our whole life, um, to get to that level. And this is our dream to play there. And then when, in Yerm's case, you, you get a little taste of it and, and you have some success. And, you know, it's, sometimes it can get frustrating. And, you know, some people deal with frustrations differently. And some people, you know, it, they're able to keep it inside. Some people wear their heart in their sleeves like I did when I was a player. So um, that's, that's really all that that's about. It's just, you know, a guy that really, really wants to get to the big leagues and prove that he, what he did there was not a fluke. And, and, and you know what, sometimes, uh, you know, those frustrations boil over. But, you know, we got, we got Big Urine back yesterday, and, and he hit a – he hit a bullet off the wall. He hit a home run. So um, I think I think that's just what that's about. Chris, I think that's well put. And, and we tend to forget sometimes, you know, you during your career, if you were frustrated, you didn't always have maybe the social media outlet that a lot of these young players do today or a lot of the players exercise today. And what happened with your mean Mercedes was, I think, exacerbated by the fact that it was uh, shared on social media. So we, we didn't get much of a glimpse other than that. You were right in the middle of it. I just wonder if you could characterize. You mentioned the frustration, and now we saw you know, your mean Mercedes come back last night in Homer, and looks like he's he's back on track in terms of being committed and focused. How would you characterize the conversations? How would you characterize you know his mood change in in the twenty four hours that we kind of here in Chicago were wondering what was going to happen next? Yeah, you know, sometimes it's just it's it's quick. You know, the the day before it happened, Yarn was you know playing games, taking BP, happy-go-lucky, every, you know, everybody, you see what Yerm's like, and, and, and that's how he is in the clubhouse and everything. And then, you know, the next day he came in, and he, you know, you could see there was some frustration, and he ended up having a rough game that game, and uh, things just kind of boiled over. Um, you know, and then I think, like you said, with social media, it's, it's easy to hop on there and, and um, you know, say things and, and things that you probably shouldn't and things you probably wish you could take back. And, you know, we've all done that, and 
And um, that's just you know, it's just part of you being a young player, in my opinion, is, you know, you go through these ups and downs. and, and um, But you get through it, and we talked to him and said, that, you know, we're behind him, and we made sure that there's nothing going on, you know, outside of the game that's, that may be frustrating because we understand that those things happen. Um, and, uh, you know, we found out that it's just frustration, him wanting to get to the big leagues and him wanting to, you know, show the world what he can do again. And, and um, so we just – we got everybody back on track, Yerms back on track, and then, you know, we're all set to go. Chris Johnson of the uh, Charlotte Knight uh, coaching staff, the hitting coach for the, the Knights, uh, joining us for a few more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse. Chris, uh, this would be probably a good time for you and Wes Helms and the other coaches to uh, ask for a raise, uh, the way that <laughs> some of your players have been coming through the system and contributing right away to the White Sox. Uh, the way Berger has uh, come up, the way that uh, Sheets has come up. Uh, what are you feeding those guys there? I know the spreads are pretty good, uh, especially with uh, Eloy there, but uh, obviously uh, you guys are getting some things done and, and preparing these uh, guys pretty nicely. I'll tell you what, the spreads with Eloy here are fantastic. Um, <laughs> he's, he's doing a great job of that, I will say that. But I'll tell you what, just seeing these guys um, succeed up there has been has been unbelievable. It feels it feels like I'm getting my first hits in the big leagues again. You know, every time we have a game, and when Sheets and Berger were first sent up, I, we would run into Pockets' office as our our clubhouse manager in Charlotte and watch those at bats and just be just be cheering. So it's it's just so great. Those guys, they you know they have the ability, and like I said earlier, that all we're doing is focusing on those guys' game plan, their approach, what works best for them, how to set up certain pitchers, how to sit on pitches, um, how to read what, what pitchers are doing from at-bat to at-bat. And once those guys figured that part of it out, their ability just took them the rest of the way. So that's all really I'm doing is, is getting them ready to have those big league at-bats, and, um, and their, their success is all on them. So, Chris, let's, let's talk about Gavin Sheets for a second. So the other night here in Chicago on television, Ozzie Guillen during – uh, a pregame show in NBC Sports Chicago, broke down Gavin Sheets' swing. And side-by-side, side, they put an image and, and video of Gavin Sheets hitting a walk-off home run and the way that he shifted his weight and the way that he's placed his hands and his swing, and they compared it. And it didn't, wasn't, didn't seem like much of a reach when they were comparing it on video in slow motion to Jim Tomei. And Jim Tomei, who is a Hall of Famer, it's not fair to compare or make that comp to a young player like that. But when you look at Gavin Sheets' swing, what do you see? How do you, what do you remember about why it would translate well at the major league level? Because it seems as if he's a better major league hitter than he was a minor league hitter for whatever reason. Right. I think that's probably because when you get into the major leagues, the pitchers are more around the zone. And Gavin is really good at having a good at bat. You know, everybody likes to talk about his power, and rightly so, because he's He's been able to hit some balls out of the ballpark. However, he's a good hitter first. So those are the guys that are really going to have success and really going to do some great things in the big leagues are the guys who are able to have a good at-bat and be a good hitter and then let their power just show up. And that's the kind of guy that Gavin is. He's able to go to all fields. Um, he's great with two strikes. You can't beat him with the fastball up in the zone, as we've seen. And, um, and you know, that's why he's having that success. So they, uh, he gets a tremendous um, weight shift he gets a great separation and he doesn't try to do too much and so um, I think that's probably the main reasons why he's having so much success Chris uh, David and I really appreciate you joining us keep up uh, the great work there uh, it's interesting you and Wes are, are probably asked for more interviews now 
sometimes than you were as a player is because of how important your jobs are and what a great job you're doing. So thanks for joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, Look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely, anytime. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks, Chris. Chris Johnson, the hitting coach for the Charlotte Knights, Bruce. And you're exactly right. Boy, does he play a big role in the development of some of these young Sox hitters who come to the majors and do not look overwhelmed. They look well-prepared, and they are making an impact. From Jake Berger to Gavin Sheets, you can go down the list. Uh, Andrew Vaughn didn't have experience at the AAA level, but you look at the way that he has now uh, become – he had three of the Sox five hits last night, and he is on his way to a really impressive rookie season. Young hitters continue to come through when the Sox need them, and boy, have they needed them. Absolutely, David. And – when, when you talk about Vaughn, uh, going back to remember on one of the Zooms in March, I asked, uh, I asked uh, uh, Tony LaRusse after we had uh, Jim Tomey as a guest, um, you know, what, what he expects from Vaughn. And he said, well, he reminds me of one of the, the great hitters that I've had in the past, but I won't, I won't put that pressure on him. Well, when he said that, he already did, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I right. mean, I, I, th- I think, you know, probably alluding to, to Pujols is something that he was talking about. And uh, it, it's a reach right now comparing Vaughn to Pujols. But you're seeing these at-bats and the way he uses the whole field uh, with power. Um, I, you know, it, it's, it's fun to watch this guy develop because – they they appear not to be wrong in the fact that this guy might be a special hitter down the line. And it will be even more fun to watch him in the same batting order and lineup with Aloy Jimenez. And as Chris Johnson told us, I think the quote was, Bruce, if you ask me, he's ready to go. So the Charlotte hitting coach says Aloy is ready maybe sooner rather than later. Boy, can any flights from Charlotte to Milwaukee? Could he get there for today or tonight and, and maybe this weekend? I doubt it. That's wishful thinking. But Aloy seems ready to come back and contribute to a White Sox team that has another big game tonight in Milwaukee. But you know what? When we come back, Bruce, we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk a little Cubs because it was an interesting day at Wrigley Field, especially for 37-year-old backup, backup, backup catchers who had a big day at, uh, at Clark and Addison. So inside the clubhouse, coming up next with Bruce Levine, I'm David Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Torino swings and hits one in the air to deep left field. Look up. This is gone. Number two on the afternoon for Robinson Chirinos. Cubs extend the lead. Eight to two over Arizona here in the sixth. Welcome back inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score with Bruce Levine. I'm David Haw. That was the voice of Zach Zaidman calling the second Robinson Chirinos home run on Friday at Wrigley Field, Bruce. And the heart says that was the story of the day. Love a good comeback story. Love that a 37-year-old backup catcher has a moment like that. Saw him early this week. Talked to Taylor McGregor on Marquee Sports Network. Great interview. Great background. The heart says that is what you remember about Friday. But the head says, you know what? The most significant thing about yesterday, sure, the Cubs won 8-3 against the 4A Diamondbacks. But Zach Davies put himself in conversation for uh, for trade possibilities with a, a pretty strong outing, striking out a season-high eight in five and a third. Zach Davies now puts his name on that list of scouts who were in the press box and watching and thinking, okay, what about Zach? Yeah, you're, you're right about that, and uh, Davies would be a nice complimentary piece. 
as we talked about on on your show, you know, the Molly and Haw show uh, yesterday, when you were on with uh, Mark Grody, um, you know, bundling is something that uh, a lot of teams and the Cubs would probably uh, best benefit themselves right now. When you talk about a, a guy like Davies maybe joining, you know, somebody else like a, a Bryant or a Rizzo in a trade for uh, a, a good and important group of uh, young players from somebody else. that That's the key right now. So, you know, we concentrate on where they're going and what, what teams are interested. But what Hoyer and company are interested in is getting the most value back for what they have if they're going to trade them. Uh, you know, they don't have to trade them. Uh, they would probably at this point uh, be interested in trading them if they can get back controllable pieces that they can project for the future. Not to just move them and uh, have some guys that maybe will show up in three or four or five years. Uh, this is more about uh, getting something that can be impactful in 2021, 20, or 2022, 23, maybe 21, depending on how close they are to the big leagues. But uh, this is not a this is not salary dump. This is not player dump. This is about improving the future for the Chicago Cubs. So when you talk about Davies, you talk about uh, you know Rizzo, you talk about Bryant, uh, Kimbrel, Baez. Uh, these are conversations that have tremendous depth in them. It's not, it's not about uh, moving them just anywhere. And uh, yesterday, uh, seeing all the scouts there, um, and there were quite a few at Wrigley watching both the Cubs and the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, because the Diamondbacks have uh, players that other people want, especially Escobar. Mm-hmm. The White Sox were certainly in on that at uh, one point. Could he just um, stay in Chicago, Bruce? It's kind of yeah, he know. could. Yeah. Yeah, hope he packs for a long trip, a long stay. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. he might. He that might work out. But um, the Yankees' interest in uh, in Anthony Rizzo might be something that uh, has gone under the radar, and now uh, they are trying to decide uh, whether or not they are a contender uh, right now. You know, being uh, I think they're nine games behind Boston in the standings, but a little closer. Uh, to the second wild card, uh, will they make a move for what they desperately need and they've needed all year is left-handed hitting. And left-handed hitting at Yankee Stadium with that short porch and Anthony Rizzo might be uh, a short-term answer to what they need to be competitive and be a playoff team uh, in 2021. Maybe. The Red Sox might also be interested in Anthony Rizzo because they have the worst production in baseball at the first base spot. Maybe, but Bruce, I, I think this bears further discussion. You mentioned Anthony Rizzo, and certainly people understand the realities contractually that the Cubs are facing. His last 30 games, has he been, he's been bad. I mean, he's hitting 194 over his last 30 games. He's got four homers in that span, but he's not like he has been a dangerous hitter when he you know, has had an opportunity to, to look like a guy that teams would want to trade for. You know what you're getting with Anthony Rizzo, I suppose, because of his experience. I'd worry about his back, and I'd worry about this uh, last month or so where he has not been as dangerous of a hitter as he has been throughout his career. Yeah, so here's what the scouts ask. They already know uh, what we know. and we, we see the trends and everything else. So here's, here's what they want to know, and, and part of that you just mentioned. 
They want to know, uh, is he healthy? Okay, that's number one. Uh, one of the scouts yesterday asked me about Rizzo and said, uh, what's with this back thing? And I said, well, it's a chronic back issue that he's had his entire career, uh, going back to even when he was a young player before he got to the uh, Chicago Cubs, and it's not kept him off the field a significant amount of time. But at age 32, you know, he'll be 32 in a couple weeks, uh, people look at it in a different way. So especially when they're trading for something like that. So the, the scout also asked me, how does, how does he handle uh, downtimes? And I said, what I've seen over the years, uh, he handles them as well as anybody. Uh, his makeup is good. You see him jumping up and down and cheering his teammates, even when he's doing poorly. So these are some of the things that they want to know. Uh, is he physically healthy? Is he going to fit in with that other team that he's traded to? Will he uh, be able to handle uh, moving on to a new place after being here for 10 years? Uh, these are things that go along with the fact that uh, what we all know, and that is he hasn't hit well over the last 30 games, and that his OPS since the beginning of 2020 is about 750, where uh, he's a career, you know, 820, 830, 840 OPS guy. So th those are certainly main concerns, but... Uh, I think Anthony Rizzo would help another team a lot uh, just by his presence and his defense, which is still the best in baseball at first. Base. I don't know that you talked me into that, Bruce, but I do think you've talked me into wanting to play our favorite game. I hear the clash in my head is singing, should I stay or should I go? And we will play that when we come back on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.